Hello there and welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. Callum Williams here as always and today a very special podcast coming your way all about Minnesota United and Everton Football Club. Delighted to be joined by two individuals who can absolutely consider themselves Everton legends. First and foremost, uh, I think they're calling him an Everton giant these days, manager of Minnesota United, Adrian Heath. How are you, Gaffer? I'm good, Cal. I've been called a lot of things but never a giant, Cal. <laughs> Uh, joining us uh, on the phone as well, uh, delighted to be joined by England legend, Chelsea legend, all-round footballing legend, really, Everton head coach Frank Lampard. Frank, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Nice to be here. Nice speaking to you. Yeah, all good. Thank you. Wonderful. Uh, Frank and Everton at the moment uh, in Baltimore because they are set to play Arsenal uh, over the weekend. We're recording this on Friday afternoon from our HQ in Minneapolis. Uh, first and foremost then, Frank, let, let's start with you, shall we? I think um, one of the main questions on the tips of many tongues here in North America, why, why Minnesota? Why did Everton choose to play Minnesota United in a pre-season friendly? Well, we're very excited to play the game. I think... Um... I've always been, I've always fortunate enough to have fantastic trips over to America as a player. I always enjoyed playing high-level games, um, feeling the support of the American fans. Um, I obviously played in the MLS personally. So it's a, it's, a, it's a thing that's quite close to my heart. And obviously the huge link of, of Adrian there, as you mentioned, he's an Everton legend, not so much me an Everton legend after four months, but <laughs> it was a, a nice, um, a really nice connection for us on that front. So the trip has worked really well. We're based in Washington, uh, playing Arsenal, as you just said, uh, and playing Minnesota United. Two different types of game for us, different types of opponent. Um, and again, yeah, I've, I've always really enjoyed the trips personally. So I'm really excited to, to be out here with the squad. I think after you kept Everton in the Premier League, Frank, you're you're absolutely going to be identified as a legend for some time. So don't be so humble there. Um, Adrian, um, this is obviously a, a big game for you, given your connections. And for those that perhaps aren't as aware, what are your connections to Everton Football Club and what does the club mean to you? Well, I think, you know, the club changed my life, really. You know, I was uh, playing for my own town club, Stoke City, which was a great club. But... You know, when the opportunity to come to a club like Everton, you know, I couldn't turn it down. I think it's one of them clubs that, you know, everybody says it gets under your skin. I know Frank's seen a little bit of it now. He, he realises. I'm sure that when Frank played for Chelsea at Goodison, he thought, this place is not bad when it's full. But Frank saw a little bit of it when the Crystal Palace game came round. You know, it's a special place. Um, great club, great history, great tradition. And um, I'm sure that, Frank knows that if he gets this club going the way it could, it can get going. It's got you know it's it's got an opportunity to be one of the biggest clubs in English football. So it's a terrific club. As I say, I was fortunate enough to play there for nearly seven years. I think you know we won virtually everything that you can win in England. So yeah, a huge part of my footballing life. Um. Frank, we'll no doubt talk about the moment when survival was complete and we saw those historical scenes at Goodison Park, but let's just recap the season from when you took over at Everton Football Club. What, what sort of a club did you take over at that particular point? Well, first, I was very sort of proud to be given the opportunity at the time. Um, it's funny, Adrian's talking there about his time at the club, but that, that, was, that was my time of growing up. I was born in 78, so the mid-80s just starting to get into football. I was a West Ham fan at the time. West Ham actually had a decent team in the mid-80s. Um, but I remember that great Everton team that Adrian was part of. So when the opportunity came 
um, to be their manager, I had a small understanding of the size and history of the club. And then the minute I walked through the door, the first thing to smack me in the face as such was the, the size of the club, the fact that Evertonians are everywhere. Everywhere you travel, you'll find an Evertonian, that's for sure. Um, but we were in trouble and, you know, we, we were on a really bad run of results. The Premier League is very unforgiving when you're not getting results. You can find yourself, you know, struggling to see that where the next one is coming from at times. Confidence was pretty low. So there were a lot of things that I wanted to sort of tackle quickly, but the thing to tackle was to try and get results. And, you know, it was up and down for a few months, if I'm honest, where we were striving. And then we we just really um, worked hard, found a way in some really big games against, you know, big clubs and big teams and had an incredible backing from a fan base. It's something that I've never seen the likes of. What, what happened in the running of the fans turning up before games, supporting us in away games, was something pretty unique. I've never been any, near anything like it. It pushed us over the line. And as Adrian's saying there, this is a special football club, so I'm, I'm excited at the idea of hoping, hopefully taking us in a forward direction. It's strange, Frank, because I did an interview and when you took over and people said, you know, it's going to be difficult for Frank. You look at the fixtures they've got. And I said, Frank will be fine. I said, because... I don't think that the people will allow them to get relegated. And I knew that if it got tight, I knew the atmosphere would be special because for me, it's still one of the most atmospheric grounds when it's full, especially Mm. under the lights. And, you know, I think it was one of them things that I spoke to people before and I said, this is when the Evertonians will come bring their A game. And I thought they did. I thought the team responded from the crowd in the end. And it was, uh, it was, it was fantastic to see. Yeah, yeah, it's true, Adrian. They, they absolutely did. And, you know, when I came in, there were a lot of stories in the media back home that the club was sort of, you know, in a way broken, you know, some fans of discontent and all these things. And I suppose looking back, it felt like the only way was to move in a positive direction, but that's, that's easier said than done. And when the fans sort of mobilised behind us, um, it's a stadium, as you're saying there, that can, anything can happen. And we saw that against Crystal Palace in, in, the fight, in that, that game that got us over the line but in the running as I said before they, they were just immense immense and um, it's made me fall in love with the club in a very short period of time and now I just want to give my best to it yeah and I think I think also as well Frank I know this sounds crazy and you won't want to go through it again but with, with the way that it unfolded I actually yeah. think it's done the club a huge favour because now all that younger generation who haven't seen the team win anything since 95 actually probably realise why their dad and maybe their grandfather are so in love with the club. You know, I, I know it sounds crazy, but I, it was like winning a trophy almost because it seems to have galvanised all the Evertonians around the world. It really does. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, it's strange. I had a meeting with the players. I think it was after we lost against Wolves at home. It was in that kind of period. It's a tough one of those where you're feeling a bit down. And, you know, I was yeah. trying to get them positive and generate something. And I was like, lads, listen, if we pull this off, if we do it, and look forward to the games we'd have to do, win to do this, you know, it will be something that will change our lives forever. You know, we might be, we maybe could finish 10th this year and it would just be just another season. So we managed to do something that, as you say, engage the fans. I think the players have to understand what it means to the fans. That we're the ones that go out on the pitch, or they are, and I'm the manager, we can affect things. But when you see what it means to people's everyday lives that work all week and come yeah. to Goodison or, or sitting over here in the States and waking up in the morning to watch the games, you know, you want to give back. And, and I think in the end, we managed to do it. And it was absolutely one for the fans when we, when we did get over the line. Yeah, it was fantastic. I'm, I'm assuming as well, Frank, um, it, after that particular moment, and we'll go a little deeper into to that particular moment when, when survival was confirmed for Everton, 
Um, we were all watching it here in the United States, as I'm sure many were across the world, just, just <laughs> gobsmacked. The jaw hit the ground when it all happened. Um, I, I can only imagine how close you now feel to the fans and the community after that. Yeah, yeah, I do. And um, if I'm honest, when I came into the job, it was one of my slight concerns because um, I know how passionate the fans are. It's their club. And I, you know, I'm a London boy, very associated to Chelsea for a long period of time. And I wanted to make sure that they understood that when I go into things, I go into them, you know, wholeheartedly and with everything I've got. So, and I try and be honest. And, you know, I was probably pretty honest in the running at times. We had a couple of games where we were really poor, got well beaten. And I wasn't to be standing up and making any excuses. I think fans sort of appreciated that. Um, we had some decisions that we felt hard done by. Kind of stood up for it as I, as I do. Um, and I think that's kind of how every Evertonian felt at the same time when we were not getting decisions. So, you know, it, we, we sort of came together. So I, I really appreciate their support. I didn't take it for granted. And, and it certainly helped me and it helped the team. So I think the onus probably now, though, is to, to not hang on that too much. It has gone. Um, and the onus is now how we move forward. We can't expect 10,000 to come two hours before the game at the start of the season next year. We have to generate the positivity and, and the good play. So the onus now falls back on myself and the players. I think one thing as well, Frank, the one thing I do know from playing there and playing at, at a time when we're successful, they don't care where you come, come from. They care about how much you care. You know, and, and Edward Kendall used to say to us, this was his favourite saying, all our supporters want is to see you play like they think they would if they got the opportunity. And, and I think that's the one thing I would say, and I've said it to every Evertonian that I've ever met, player-wise, they just want to see you give everything. And if they do, they'll stick by you. They've always been that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, I, I see that. And it's, uh, it, whether that's unique, there are clubs that have that feeling, you know, in, in some of the areas in, in England, the clubs with this really strong fan base and that feeling. But I think we are pretty unique in that. And, and, and that changes my job slightly. I think, you know, I think I've realised pretty quickly that, if I tried to make, you know, 100 passes in their own half um, or, or whatever, a slower game, a slower pace of game or, or whatever it may be, something that, that went against the, the principles of the fans who want to see desire and fight and, and crosses and resilience and these things that, that they believe they are, they are about on and off the pitch, you know, that fan, dead fans, they live like that. So we have to replicate that somehow. And that's fine by me because those sort of basics can win you football matches and make you into a good team. So we're, we're striving to get towards that. Frank, I know you want to move on and we will do certainly. We'll talk about pre-season and, and lots of, of Major League Soccer here over the course uh, of the rest of the podcast. But if you can, let, let's let's just go back to that moment again when when survival was confirmed. Um, the scenes were sensational. What was it like to live it? You know, I've been fortunate in my career, playing career, played in really good teams. You know, we won the Champions League finals. I've always said it's the greatest night of my you know, football in life, but I, I managed to match it in a relegation battle. You know, we on that night, the, the personal emotions um, for me, because as a manager, you know, Adrian knows this, he's been doing it like, longer than me, obviously, is that, I, I, well, this is how I feel, I suppose, that everything's heightened, the wins are heightened, you feel responsible for the wins. That's a great feeling compared to being a player. But the losses also hit you really hard. So through that few months, you know, the idea of relegation, the idea of my responsibility within that was a big, not a burden on me. I, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with how I handled it because it was a sort of a tough period at times. But it was just a huge release, um, the, the Palace game. And then when you see the fans come on the pitch, it was a huge release for every single Evertonian that run on that pitch or was watching that game from afar. So it was, um, it was really special. It, I, you know, it's, it's hard to sometimes put in, into words those kind of moments, but it's absolutely right up there in my 
in my in my life, to be honest, because there was so much at stake and uh, and the circumstances to be two 0 down and wonder where this game's going to go and to win it three two with the with the resilience the whole stadium showed was just a special evening. I know it, many will view that as being your um, biggest impact on, on the football club so far. I'm, I'm assuming, Frank, the the aim is to have an even bigger impact moving forward. And, and Adrian, I'll ask you once Frank is done here, what, what you feel as though your biggest impact was on the club. But Frank, let, let's start with you. I'm assuming it's it's that moment and the way that it all came about. Yeah, I mean, as, as I said, I think that moment now is is, is done. We, we stayed in the Premier League. So I think it's like, what, what do we take from it? Well, there's a lot of spirit in the squad. There's a lot of spirit in the club. I knew that already. And all, when we all come together, then we're going to be stronger. But then... Now I have to really focus on the footballing side, which is, um, can we get better? Can we work more our principles in training? Because we had to do anything we could do to get over the line in certain games at the back end of last year. Moving forward, we want to be a bit calmer than that and be able to find our way of how we want to play. You know, we'll, we'll try and recruit players to help that. And we're in that process now. So I'm, I'm already looking forward, but we must hold on to those feelings and the, and, the, and the passion and spirit that got us over the line. So now I think that the hard work kind of really begins to try and, uh, for me, to try and make this my team and play in the way I want us to play. So go on then, Adrian. What, what's your biggest impact on Everson Football Club? What was the biggest moment for you? Um, when I look back, obviously signing for the club because it was a British transfer record fee at the time. So there was a lot of pressure to come with it. But I think from obviously scoring the winning goal in injury time of extra time in an FA Cup semi-final against Southampton, then going to Wembley and winning the first major trophy in the club's for a long time. Mm. Obviously, we were lucky. We went to three finals. You know, we won the league a couple of times. So, you know, from there. But you have to start somewhere. You have to do, you know, like I'm sure that what Frank's looking at now is making progression. And then cups become really important because a club like Everton, they demand you to be in and around the finals. And I think it's, is it 95 since we last won a trophy? So, you know, it's it's too long for a club like that. But, hey, it's... Um, you know, once you get that club rolling, and Frank's seen a little bit of it now, once that stadium and then people start to believe in the team, anything's possible there. Because the one thing about the club, it can attract players, you know, and once they get there, it is a special place to play. And, and obviously, you know, there's talk of the new stadium. I presume that's still going ahead, Frank, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's full steam ahead at the minute. It's really exciting. The yeah. new stadium looks incredible. I really, really, you know, um, some people have done some great work behind the scenes and securing the, the area and st- with the building work started already so we're looking at the next couple of years it's something really nice to work f- towards in terms of yeah. uh, we have Premier League survival now can we improve the squad can we take a really good squad into the new stadium which is going to be immense when, when it comes around Gaffer you played with some players during your time in the 80s at Everton yeah. the likes of Peter Reid is, is one that comes to my mind straight away um, would, would you argue that that was perhaps one of Everton's finer periods well, I think historically, if you look at it, you know, the, the 70s team with Harvey Ball and Kendall, I think, took some beating. We had a really good team. And I, the, the strange thing is that, you know, when I look back and Frank's won everything there is to win in football, but unless you have them right characters, like Peter Reid didn't need to be the best player on the field to have an effect on everybody. Andy Gray, you know, Kevin Ratcliffe, you know, I look at that team and we had characters all over the all over the field. Mm. So when it got tough, you know, you know, there was there was no shrinking violets in that dressing room. 
And you know, Frank, when you had that great team at Chelsea with JT and everybody, you need them characters, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I, it never changes in a game. I think that the, the dressing room, the modern dressing room looks different. So you can't expect everyone. There, there may be not so many Peter Reeds and even John Terry's in the dressing room. The players look different these days. But one thing you do have to have is a dedication of, of players that that uh, are prepared to work, prepared to be good teammates. It's like the first thing, you know, and I think it's when you work behind the scenes at clubs, you really realise that more importantly because football is about people as much as it is sometimes about tactics and the, de the delicate parts of the game on the pitch. It's about being resilient for a year. It's about striving to be better every day. And if you have, uh, or if you lack the players of the sort of, um, the, the personality of the ones we've mentioned in there uh, to take the club forward, I think, the rest is really hard to get. So, yeah, the, the makeup of the dressing room and every successful team you look at will have their own versions of Peter Reeds and John Terry. They're, they're huge leaders and they drive the place. There's not many teams that win without him, is there, Frank? No, no, there's not. not. And I, I, I realised that as a player, I played in fantastic dressing rooms and I played it in dressing rooms that were slightly off for whatever reason, like the, the, the makeup of the dressing room. And you could feel it and, you, and yeah. the results mirrored that and uh, that's an important part I think when you become a coach and get on the other side of it you realise that um, the, the importance of getting that side of it right I think Interestingly Frank because obviously I've been away from it for an awful long time now and obviously the, the vast sums of money that the players earn today is that, a, is that a difficult one at times because they are different than we used to be because life's different than it used to be so is that a big challenge for you at times? I think I think so I mean you, you certainly have to move with the times. I think if you become a, um, and I would say back home like a bit of a dinosaur, and you can't get your head around it, and, and you and you expect players to behave how you know players behaved 20 years ago, I think you probably missed a point, and you can't engage with them. So I think you have to understand it, um, but at the same time, you have to try and um, make sure you keep their focus on what's important because some younger players can you know, receive big contracts at a young age and we've all seen the story. They lose the application. They don't understand what it took to get them there. Uh, and that's that's not even a, an absolute slant on the players. That's just sometimes the environment that, that, that happens, You know, whether it be the money, the family, the people, the agents, the friends. So it's something you try and keep an eye on. And then again, the closer knit you can make the dressing room and the more personal you can be with your players, you feel like you can try and help guide them through what are difficulties. You know, young, young men getting offered huge contracts so, yeah, it's, it's definitely an, a challenge for the modern-day manager to try and um, keep motivated and keep, you know, people in, working in the right direction when they earn these huge contracts. But it is what it is, so it's part of your job to try and work as well as you can with it, I suppose. Is it compulsory as well, Frank, that you have to have about 20 tattoos now? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. Maybe I'm a dinosaur, so I don't get that one. I, 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 my, my, my parents never let me have tattoos, and that stuck with me, and I'm 44, yeah. and I'm still... You know, I'd be scared to get them. But yeah, you know, again, the world moves on. Some of the tattoos on our lads, when you see them, you know, you just have to, yeah, it's a, it's a new world. And, I, and I'm not part of that world, but I just let it go a little bit. Yeah, same here. <laughs> what, well, what one individual um, that, that had a, a lot of tattoos, must well, might as well make that transition, um, <laughs> was uh, Richarlison, um, Frank, who's obviously left the football club. Um, I, I know a lot of Evertonians are eager to, to find out what the plans are ahead in, in terms of a replacement and what the club plans to do with the money. Yeah, well, firstly, I'm, I'm Richie. It was a real pleasure to manage him for, for three, four months, four months, because he was such a wholehearted player and a quality player. Um, quiet lad, not a huge communicator, that's just how he was, but 
when he played for Everton, and I think that's why the fans had such a link to him, was that he just showed it and he wore it on his sleeve and he'd give his everything for you. So I think it's a shame to lose him on that sense. But the reality was that, that Richie wanted to play in the Champions League. He made that pretty clear. Um, the opportunity came for him to do that. Uh, and so at that point, I think it was a situation that, that's, that certainly he was pushing for and wanted. And I think everyone at Everton kind of shakes him on the hand and wishes him well for the way he's performed here and went out. Um, he even came back to the training ground actually just at the start of our pre-season and, and say goodbye to everyone. And he had a real emotion in his face, a real emotion, tears basically, to leave the club. So we, we all wish him well, but I think the club moves on. And now it's important that not only do we replace um, Richie in some form um, in attacking areas of the pitch, which we're certainly looking to do, but we also look at other, other areas of the team and squad that we need to strengthen. And so maybe that will help us in the in the future that now we can look and say, okay, is the squad slightly imbalanced? Yes, for sure, in terms. I think that that's my job to sort of see where I think it is imbalanced and, and, and make that right. So we wish we wish Richie well at Tottenham, because um, he was such a good lad. But now it's important that we get our moves right. How's Dom doing, Frank? Is he fit and healthy? Yeah, Dom Dom's looking great and um He's, he's a specimen, you know, he's such yeah. a, a physical, powerful, fast, talented boy. And um, I was really excited to work with him. And it's such a shame that coming into the time of the season, he was injured when I got there, he was striving to get fit, little niggles again, and they carried him right through. And, and it's so hard because you see the everyday struggles of players and he's such a good lad doing everything he can to be fit. And then people outside kind of get frustrated as if to say like, where's Dom? And it's like, well, he's just trying to get fit. And it's, as a striker, as you'll know, it's like a the hardest area of the pitch to come in and come out and come yeah. in without real sharpness. Especially so, him, because his athleticism is one of his biggest strengths as well, isn't it? You know, he's incredible yeah. leap on him. He's quick. Yeah. You know, he's a nightmare for defenders. So uh, I would imagine you, you're going to need him fit and healthy because, you know, he, he looks like he's he's very difficult to play against when he's fully fit. Yeah, absolutely. He's a big reference for us. So he gives us the opportunity to play into him to, to get in areas to cross the ball. He's also good with his feet and he's hold up yeah. playing. He can run. You're right, everything. So he, he looks, he looks. I think he's been perfect for him. He came back. He had that moment with the goal, which will go down in our history. He's had a little bit of a break um, and now he's come back and he's flying and training. So so we, we, we're going to hopefully manage him and hopefully not have those injury problems and then hopefully we see the player that we know Dominic is. Yeah, that's good news. Um, Frank, we, we mentioned it briefly earlier on. It is indeed the time for details and delicacies and tactics. Um, with, with that in mind, how is pre-season going so far then for you and Everson? Well, yeah, I mean, it is, it's kind of a time for that. The, the issue has been for us, we had a, a week of training with um, without the international players that have been away and played for their countries right into the middle of June, which is, which is crazy. But they uh, only, only returned a Saturday before we flew out here this week. So it's been a little bit broken for us. So we've probably focused more on the physical conditioning of the players, um, working them hard, getting them all individually in a good place. So we've just started to work more this week, a little bit more on the structure of the team. And these two games this week are going to be great for us, to, like testers really for us, that we can start to analyse ourselves a bit more, start talking a bit more about the things we want to do. The season's going to start very quickly, but we're in, we're in a decent place. Physically, the, the lads are working brilliantly. Um, we're tweaking little things as we go and we're working on the, the tactical side of the team and these two games, as I say, will be part of that process. How's the break going to affect everything, Frank? You know, because obviously this is the first time we've ever had a break with the World Cup coming up. That must be throwing a bit of a spanner in the works in terms of how much work you do prior to, you know, the break. 
yeah, it, it does, and it, and we'll we'll have to sort of play it by by ear a little bit and see how it goes because it's new to us. I, I, on the positive flip side of it, I think we've back home people have been crying out for a break for a long time because the, the Premier League is such a physically demanding league that goes all the way through the season, and we've ended up with tournaments for our national team, obviously where we we haven't succeeded, and people have blamed the long season. So. I think for the England team, it'll be great that they can go and play mid-season. The lads will be fit. That's a nice plus for them. But for us, we'll have to manage um, the, the the lads. It's six weeks we have off. So it's a, lot, it's a long period. So we've got a tour to Australia for a week uh, and a couple of games. It should be great for the club to get over there. But then the lads will have a bit of spare time and then we'll recondition and have a sort of mini pre-season back into it. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll manage it as well as we can. Frank, then, in terms of pre-season thus far, then, I mean, I'm assuming there's always one or two individuals that, that come back a lot sharper than you expected. I'm assuming there's one or two that come back perhaps not quite as sharp as you would want them to. Is there anybody that's that stood out so far in pre-season? Well, I think having, having mentioned Dominic, I think I won't go back over what I just said there, but he's certainly looking great. And for, for obvious reasons, I think he's in a really good place. Um, going through the team, I think probably looking at um, some of the international boys, in the old days, I think you'd have pre-season and we'd get run for, you know, the first month will be absolute physical conditioning. But now it turns out that the players have been off for like two and a half, three weeks. So they're all in pretty good condition, to be fair. So um, it's been it's been good to see, you know, Anthony Gordon and Alex Awobi coming back, looking pretty much like they finished the season, but with a touch of freshness in them. Um, recovery of some injuries that we had probably through the season last year. Tom Davis is... He's very fit now and fresh. And so that's just like a sort of new sign in the midfield for me. Yeri Mina picked up an injury at the end of the season. Ben Godfrey had injuries. So that's sort of cleared the decks of a few injuries. And, and every, everyone at the minute is in good health. So that's been a big plus. We had a really injury-riddled season last year. I came into it and we, we need to find a way to make sure that doesn't happen this season. Because you, if you lose big players, it has such a, an effect on, on the team and the results. So we have to try and be better on that. Is, has Nathan Broadhead come over with you, Frank? Yeah, he has, Adrian. He's, uh, I, I, was, I was actually really looking forward to working with him because I'd seen bits of him playing alone at a really good loan last year at Sunderland. Yeah, and, that was where I um, obviously went. Me and Reedy worked up there for quite a while and I know a few of the Sunderland lads, but they, they, they really liked him. They were really impressed with him. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's got a bit of everything. He's a really good finisher, actually. Really, first week of training, just natural finisher. He's got a bit of everything, left foot, right foot, everything. Yeah. just good movement, so... He's actually picked up a little bit of a niggle over the last couple of days, so I'm not sure he'd be involved in any games over here. He's with us, which is a bit of a shame. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how it goes and how bad that injury is. But it's um, yeah, he's, he's a good player. Is there, is there much else underneath, Frank? Are you, are you, is there any young ones that you're particularly excited about that we haven't seen? Yeah, well, there's yeah, there's a few, and they're here on a tour with us. And it's um, we've got Lewis Dobbin, who's obviously been sort of knocking on the door for a while and made a couple of appearances. Um, it may be a good year for him to go and go on loan and get some games played regularly. I think he's ready for that, um, for his own development. But we just have to make sure we're strong enough as a squad before we send too many players out. Uh, it's that balance of what's best for the player and what's best for us. Yeah, We've got some others. We've got Isaac Price. We've got Reese Welsh. We've got Stanley Mills. Danny Mills, his son, who are out here with us. Um, so, yeah, some good, some good players there that have trained and trained well with us and bring a real energy to the squad. So it's just seeing when we can try and get them some some minutes this year if they train well enough. We've got five subs this year in the Premier League, so yeah. it may allow us to get more minutes for some of the younger players. It should be a big bonus.
When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopaedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. Um, okay, well, let's focus on uh, the United States then, shall we, Frank, and, and move into Major League Soccer here shortly. I appreciate the time. We know you're a very busy individual. Um, I, I think of the United States and I think of Everton, uh, and I always think of a connection between the two places. Um, I think of Tim Howard and Landon Donovan and Brian McBride is another one that's just come to, to mind as well. Joe Max Moore. Joe Max Moore, absolutely, yeah. Um, how, how important do you think, Frank, the relationship is with the fans over here to the fans that are back in the UK and how important are the fan bases over here in terms of helping Everton Football Club grow? They're really important. I think um, the world's a much uh, a smaller, more connected place uh, in the modern day. The Premier League is a huge brand around the world and you know we all know about how we take it for granted, how much we love our clubs and how tribal and passionate it is. But that feeling is spreading around the world and you know I think America is just a... Um, every time we come over, it's my first time obviously with Everton, but I was at an event last night, it was packed out with Evertonians over here. Um, huge support, watching all the games. I know how much, how many games you get over here, you get more games than we get to watch on your TV. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really important for us to link up. And, and, and Everton, I think there are a lot of things that get unseen on the outside world and what Everton do in the community back home yeah. in and around Liverpool and in the country, but also over here in America with the soccer schools and the academy affiliated things that they do. There were some brilliant people working really, really hard. And I think that doesn't go unnoticed when you look into support a club and you see a club with heart and passion. I think hopefully that's what Everton are. So we've got a good base over here. We, we, we really respect it and are thankful for it. And we hope that it can keep growing. Do you think this will be the first of a few, Frank? You think you'll keep coming back? I'd love to. If you if you can every year, you can invite us back, please, and I'll, I'll be there. You I'll go. be all over that. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely loving it. There we go. You, you heard it here first, then, yeah. um, Frank. You, your time in Major League Soccer, then as a player, obviously um, you were over at New York City FC for several years. You came up against Adrian Heath as the manager of Orlando City. Um, this mm. league continues to grow astronomically year by year by year. It's 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 so exciting to be a part of. How how has it in your mind changed from even when you were here five or six years ago to, to this point in 2022? Well, yeah. Well, firstly, I love my time here. I absolutely loved it in in the MLS and in New York and traveling to different cities and seeing the fans and how excited they are about the way the sport's growing. And it's something that actually goes a little bit amiss in England. Maybe we think we're, we're the center of the universe in England and the Premier League is like the greatest product, which maybe it is. But when you come over here and 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 fill the MLS and people ask me all the time back home what was it like well firstly the level uh, and the quality is really good and it's growing all the time with and I think it will continue to grow and I'm, I'm speaking probably Adrian and I'm much more about this than me but in my time at the MLS in, in touring New York the, um, the the desire and the application of the American-based players and some of the South American players was incredible they wanted to learn they wanted to be better and they had these raw talents that I think are only going to get better because of the way they were so dedicated. So I, I haven't followed the game as closely, probably especially since I've been managing in the Premier League because it's so consuming. But I know the numbers are rising, the fan bases, the new franchises, uh, the quality of player. And I, I felt that. I felt like when I was there, it was much more self-sustainable and, and bring through players. And now you're seeing American players playing in Europe and 
uh, Christian Pulisic and Tyler Adams just coming to the Premier League, all these players. So I think it's a really, a really great league that's growing. And that's why I'm, it's sort of close to my heart from the minute I played out here. I think one of the, the, the things that you'll notice, Frank, um, that is getting more and more now that, you know, a lot of players, what people would say were in the twilight of the career, there's a huge sort of uh, movement now f- to get these under 21s, 20 year olds from South America. And um, there, honestly, there are some really, really talented players within this league now that I honestly believe could go to Europe and play in most of the leagues. I think that's right. the, that's been a real big, uh, there's been a real big push from the Major League Soccer and for the clubs themselves because, you know, you look at the likes of Almiron who come for like 10 or 12 million, then they sell him for 25. So I think that's, you know, is it something that maybe a lot of the English clubs will look in terms of scouting, do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely, I think so. I think we, we, the league is getting held in much more respect as it should be. Um, and in terms of scouting, absolutely. I think there will be gems. There are gems and there will be more gems to come over and play and show themselves to be capable. And then for every player that comes across and, and, and performs well in a European league, it just gains even more strength. I, I remember playing it. I remember, I remember the, the, the talent of some of the teams. I would say it surprised me, but... I remember playing Dallas the first year I was here. We went to Dallas and it was so hot. I remember that particularly, but <laughs> we hardly touched the ball. Like they had, they had some incredible players in midfield and I couldn't get near them. And I remember, and I was like, wow, it was an eye open. It's kind of my early days at New York. And I was like, wow, there's some players in this league. And, you know, I found it out when I was here. Yeah. Yeah, it's growing and, and most of the academies now are producing their own players. So, you know, you look at some of the kids who've gone in at Dallas and one or two of the kids coming through in New York now. So, yeah, it's it's, it's getting better for sure. Frank, have you had a, a chance to speak to a certain Mr Wayne Rooney at all? Yeah, I did. I spoke to him um, two days ago, actually. So it was it was the afternoon, on the, sorry, the day before his, the first game since he's been here. I know he's not working it yet, but he mm. was over. Yeah, and he was going to come and watch his training, but I actually changed the training on the day, so we didn't see him. So I'm hoping to catch up with him um, in our remaining time here. Um, I get on really well with Wayne. We're actually we're on hol- we crossed paths on holiday this summer um, in Spain uh, in June at a, at a good time. I didn't have any idea what was happening at that point. He was still Derby manager, and then a few weeks later, he's over here. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great move for him. Um, he's a young coach who's hungry, talented, knows the game inside out, has played for the club before. And I think it, I, I, I really want to see Wayne do well out here, and I'm, I'm sure he will do. Were you a little bit surprised, Frank? Um, well, well, possibly, but again, that probably comes back to the to the bubble of being at home, and you know, whether it be Premier League or yeah. Championship. I think Wayne did a really, really, well, I know he did a great job at Derby in really tough circumstances. So he showed his qualities there, and I suppose people back in England were looking at it and going, okay, well, what's the next move? Because he's such a big name and star. It's like, well, where would he go next? And I suppose when you choose to come to the MLS. People kind of uh, maybe slightly surprised, but maybe I was. But you know, when I when I think about it, and I know what this job is, and when you're a young coach, you're just learning all the time. And I actually think it's a really considered move to say, okay, I can actually go in another league, test myself in a different way, maybe coming out of the hotbed of England for a while and working and working and improving himself. I think it's a really good move for him. Well, I hope his influence on the team starts about two weeks' time because we've got him tomorrow. So. 
<laughs> yeah, apparently uh, Wayne Rooney's going to be in the building, but as you say, he can't coach at the moment. He's still waiting for his visa, but that's something we're very much yeah. looking forward to. Um, Frank, just yeah. a couple more before we let you go. Again, really appreciate the time. Um, what What are you expecting then from from Minnesota United? I know you've you've said you've not had too much of a chance to have, to have a look at the league and the team themselves, but um, there's there's some sensational players at Minnesota United. Adrian Heath has sort of insinuated already the likes of Emmanuel Reynoso, who was a first-team player at Boca Juniors, who is now in, in fine fettle at the moment. There's Luis Samaria, a Paraguayan international. There's Robin Lord of, of Finland as well. What sort of a, a challenge are you expecting from Minnesota United? Well, a big challenge and a good one because you're mid-season there, so your, your fitness levels will be a real tester for us because our boys are striving for those kind of levels and we're in our early days, so that's a, that's a good thing for us and a challenging thing for us. Um, we're going to get the Arsenal game out of the way this weekend and myself and the staff will sit down and have a proper look at uh, some of the games that we're prepared, we'll prepare as we would prepare for a Premier League game because I think it's important to always respect your opponent and also have your our players understand that every time you play for Everton, whether it's seen as a friendly or not, um, you must compete and have a real desire to win the game and it's a, it'll be a really good opponent who will be fired up, I'm sure, playing against a Premier League team with real, real good support. So we'll, um, we'll, yeah, we'll come and try and play as well as we can and compete. Um, I'm, I'm pretty big on that. There are no friendlies for us, and this won't feel like that. We're friendly with Adrian on the sidelines, but the players can, <laughs> can get after each other. They've uh, every, everybody's really excited, Frank. You know, there's a real buzz around the with the players. There's a real buzz around the people who support the club. So I'm sure you'll enjoy it. It's a, it's a great stadium, beautiful uh, atmosphere. The field's in incredible condition. So we're all looking forward to, you know, hosting you. No, brilliant. I've heard that as well. I've heard a lot about the stadium. So I'm, I'm really excited to see that. And, and Adrian, just between ourselves, I'd love, you know, to players can mix. If they're excited to see the lads, we can mix, you know, after the game or whatever. Yeah. And uh, obviously we'll be very thankful to to everyone for their hospitality and the fans for turning up to watch us. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to it. Uh, welcome you, mate. It's going to be really, really Brilliant. good. Really looking forward to it. Um, just two more before we let you go then. Uh, Gaffer, what, what are you expecting from Everton on the field? Well, I think the one thing that Frank spoke spoke about and <laughs> they will be competitive, you know, but, but for us, it's a great opportunity. And for the one or two players that, you know, have always spoke about maybe trying to get to Europe, this will be a, a really good opportunity for them to play against people who play in that league week in, week out. So it'll be interesting to see how Ray Copes and a few of the other guys. And, uh, you know, I think one, the one thing that I always think our players are a bit surprised by, Frank, is the physicality of the guys who play in the Premier League. I think it's mm. people don't, you know, pretty much underestimate it because it's all relevant because they're all the same size. But I remember a couple of years ago, Cal, when Villa came mm. and then they come down the tunnel and you've got like five guys who are over 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", and the athletic as well. So that'll be an opener, an eye-opener for some of our guys, but I know they're really excited and looking forward to it. It's got to be very, very good. And uh, still a couple of tickets left, we are led to believe, so make sure to... Uh, check out mnufc.com uh, to get the last remaining tickets for Minnesota United against Everton at Allianz Field. Frank, before we let you go, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, a message to the Everton fans here in the United States. Well, just a huge thank you. I know I know their support from from afar as part of helping us um, stay in the Premier League last year. So we really appreciate that. This has been a great opportunity for us to come and, and get close to that fan base. Um, we had some uh, fans at our open training yesterday 
we'll obviously be meeting fans at the stadiums where we play. So a big thanks for their support from afar. And hopefully we can make them proud of us this season coming with the, with the passion and the, the feeling that the Everton Football Club has, which we've spoken about throughout this last sort of 45 minutes. So, yeah, thank you very much. And we look forward to seeing you all at the games. And, uh, yeah, just a big thanks. Wonderful. My thanks to Frank Lampard, Everton Football Club, Adrian Heath and our production crew here at our HQ in Minneapolis. You've been listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics.